Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We're studying confrontational faith. Everybody say confrontation. confrontation. Now, if you are a person who is studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God for the purpose of developing faith, that faith will draw you in to confrontations. It will. Your faith will be tried. You say, well, then I don't want to develop any faith. You you will be tried anyway. (laughs) I mean, it, it really doesn't matter if you develop faith or not. You're going to get tried anyway. Amen. So you might as well have some faith. Amen. It'll draw you into confrontation. Confrontation is the act of confronting. So you got to go look up confronting, which means to challenge, to oppose, to meet face-to-face, to encounter, to engage, or to initiate. Now, there's so much in, in, in your life of faith and your walk with God that you, know, you need to initiate. Uh, literally, we tend many times to kind of just hold up and wait thinking that God may do something one way or another, when many times God's really waiting on us just to move forward, just to obey Him, you know. And I guarantee you there are times in our lives, Lee and I have found out, that, you know, uh, we we thought we were waiting on God, and we really weren't. God was waiting on us. So when we, you know, responded to Him, He quickly got us back to the place we needed to be. So, you know, that's what you need to do. And, you know, there are all types of, of confrontations. If you've got a financial problem, you need to confront it. If you've got a physical problem, you need to confront it. If there's a, you know, a problem in your mind, you need to confront that. I mean, we always need to be confronting the stuff goes on in our minds. Amen. Uh, a problem with your, with your kids or your marriage or your business or at your job. Listen, don't just let those things just go on and on and on and on and let them build up momentum against you because they will. They will build up momentum against you and they will bring you to a point and because they will bring you to a point and because you did not initiate something, that thing then forces you to initiate it and that puts you further on the defense when God wants you on the offense. Amen. Who was it? It was, uh, oh, it was Pastor Sam when he came in January and said, this is a year you're going to have to work on your weaknesses because the devil's going to come after your weakness. You remember that? I, man, I counted that as a word from God. And I've been working on my weaknesses. I've been praying in areas I hadn't been praying in a long time. I've been studying some things in the Word. I've been praying about obedience and different things, things we need to do here and there, making any adjustments, judging myself according to the, according to the uh, communion ordinance where it says we should judge ourselves, lest we be judged of God. Judging myself in how we pastor the church, how we handle the money. Judge myself in how I'm a, a father to my, my daughter, or a husband to my wife. You've got to continually do that so that God can bring things up that you might need to confront. And confronting those empowers you many times to go around or to overcome problems that the devil was really going to use to tear you up. But because you were ready when it showed up, because you were initiating some things in the spirit, you were ready... And it didn't have near the effect. And you were, you know, you just kind of went right through it. And that's, listen, that's the way it needs to be most of the time. Sure, the enemy always tries to bring some kind of panic attack, you know, some kind of terroristic move against you. But in the meantime, you can be building yourself up in the things of God. And the Bible says in Proverbs, even that, when panic things, when things come suddenly, you won't be alarmed. You'll be at peace. Wow. 
Amen. Now, let me finish reading this and then we'll get back into David. He was about to get into a fight there. Now, if you're going to live, if you're going to live by faith, you're going to have to take the offense or you take an offensive posture toward the devil, your problems, situations, circumstance, your own flesh and your own mind. You will never learn to live in the victory until you do. Now, notice the terminology, to live in the victory. You live in the victory not through experience. You live through the victory by revelation. Your revelation of the victory will bring you into the experience of it. Amen? Thinking because you've not received yet, you don't have the victory is wrong thinking. Let me try that again. Thinking because you haven't received yet that you're not in the victory is wrong thinking. Because you are in the victory, you're going to receive. Amen? Now, a lot of people, that don't struggle with that. That's not some complicated thing. It's very simple. Jesus is your victory. Amen. His victory is your victory. You are in Christ. You are in Him. And everything He has purchased for you on the cross belongs to you. And everything He overcame is your victory. Amen. Hallelujah. You've got to live in that. Amen? Yeah, I like this. Uh, you say, well, pastor, I really don't have time for all that. Well, listen, that doesn't mean your prayers won't get answered or you won't get a miracle here or there, but this is what it does. It makes it a whole lot harder than it needs to be. I mean, if you've ever gone through something and you went through it and it was really hard and you look back and you thought, you know, I could have went through that. I wish I had a do-over on that one. You ever had one of those? That you thought, I really wish I had a do-over on that one. I mean, it was years ago, uh, we had a, an old lab that, 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 that was getting real old. So we wanted to get a, a new one. And so we did all this research. And I don't, I don't know how we somehow we ended up buying this little Labrador retriever from Atlanta, Georgia, was it? Atlanta, Georgia. So we drove up and ministered in someone's church up in that area. And then we picked up this little dog in Dallas. And so we're there, and you have to go back through the, where the specialty uh, luggage is and all this kind of stuff. And so we're kind of walking behind these two people, and we kinda, they're kind of waiting on something. We're waiting on something. And this, I guess it's a man. We thought we surmised it was a man uh, and a wife. And he was saying to his wife, man, I don't, they had this little Labrador puppy that they had at the, at the, when we were checking in, and that little dog wanted to take over the world. And about that time we hear this, yep, 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 yep. And we're like, oh, my goodness. So we had this black lab, and uh, uh, her name was Leah's Midnight Honey Ruckus. Her, 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 her father was the 1996 National Field Trial Champion. So she was, a, she was a dog of dogs. I mean, she was smart. We really never trained her. She trained us. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. And, and she was just, I mean, uh, if you ever was around her, ever saw her, she was just. And so I always thought to myself, if I ever had a do-over, I'd like to have a do-over with Honey. Because she was, she, was she was a national champion, bloodline, all this kind of stuff. And all I did was duck hunt her, you know. But her, her, uh, her daughter, Bess, won 12. Uh, national titles. So, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I should have I done that with honey. So I wish I'd had a, a do-over there. But there's a lot of other things not near as serious as a dog in my life that I wish I had a do-over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Well, in the midst of all that, the enemy will always torment you, trying to get you to live in the regret of what happened. But listen, God will set you free from that and set you towards your destiny in the future so that you don't have to live in the regret of what you think you need a do-over for. Amen. Because you know you've been set free from that because you're living in the victory that God has supplied for you in Christ. And part of that victory is you're a new creature in Christ. And being a new creature is every moment of your life. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. So there may be some things in your personality you may have to confront. Some things in your, in your heart you may have to confront. Some things in your mind. Anything that keeps you out of what I would call unrestricted obedience. Because listen, church, we're living in a day and an hour and we, in which you desperately need to have no restrictions on your obedience. If God says do this, you do it. If God says do this, if you even think God is saying do something, you do it because you do not want to be caught in some type of a trap that the enemy is setting because he's setting so many of them everywhere. I see people falling in them in all kinds of circumstances and situations. Believers, non-believers, it's just, the, the enemy is just right now just on a rampage. But the good news is he does not have the victory. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. And we stand in that victory. The Bible says in Hebrews, all things are under his feet, but we've not seen all things under our feet yet. Yet we see Jesus. You say, what do you mean? Well, that thing that's not under your feet yet, you see Jesus as you see Jesus, that come thing comes up under your, maybe it's a sickness or a disease or something in your finances or whatever it is, but as you focus on him, focus on his word, speak his word continually into that situation, what was not under your feet experientially, because it was under your feet legally, because you confronted and acted upon the word of God, now that thing's under your feet experientially. Amen. Now we've got David. Bless his heart. Chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Confrontational faith. David is there at the battle. Last week we talked about how he was there at the battle, not because of a prophecy or some great dream or leading of, the, of God or of the Spirit or a prophecy from Samuel. He was there because his dad told him to go. He, was, he went there to serve. We saw also the, the, the fierceness of Goliath, the giant, uh, a freak of nature, probably uh, leftovers from the uh, times in which uh, uh, we don't have much information on in the Word of God, but obviously there were still giants at the time. This great battle being put in array. Goliath is challenged to send someone down to fight. Now he was being confrontational. You must understand something about your adversary. He is confrontational. He will slap you upside your head and then watch you very closely to see how you're going to react. He'll do it financially. He'll do it with your mind, your body. He'll, I mean, there's just you name, you name the life experience. He's hanging out to try to give you a good slap to see how you're going to react. Amen. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear that, but listen, if you know that's coming, you'll prepare for it. I mean, any place you know where you might have to go to uh, defend yourself, you'd be a fool uh, to go there without anything to defend yourself with. Amen. Amen. Same thing's true in the Spirit. Why dig around in the things of the Spirit, try to get the blessings of God, unless you're not going to go all the way into the things of God? Because hanging out on the peripheral or on the, on the edges of it is just going to get you in trouble. Woohoo! Oh well. 
So we see he's responsible. He leaves the sheep with a keeper. He leaves the carriage with a keeper. Now he runs into the, into the midst of the battle as it's going on. He sees and hears the same thing that, that, that all of the different soldiers and generals and Saul himself and even his brothers heard and saw. But his reaction was different. The Bible says of them, they were sorely, uh, uh, greatly afraid, sorely afraid and greatly dismayed. One translation I was studying one time said they were terrified out of their minds. Well, that's not a very good state to be in, amen? But then David comes and he's, he's, not, he's not acting that way. He's not talking that way. He's not, he's not seeing the same thing they're seeing. I like what one, one preacher said years ago. He said, you know, uh, uh, all of the, the armies of Israel and Saul, all they could see was how, how big he was. He was, he, was, the, he was too big to fight. But David saw him as too big to miss. Faith gives you a different perspective. I mean, he said, man, that big old head up there, good Lord, I can hit that from 50 feet away. Well, that's like, that's like slinging at a cantaloupe or at a, at a watermelon. I mean, I guarantee you there was a confidence in David that his relationship with God had produced in him. Now he's standing there and what he's really observing is not just the panic of his brothers and these generals and Saul himself. He's seeing a nation that has a covenant with God in which God said, I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And he's seeing these men and women cowering, afraid, fearful, and panicking. And he's like, am I, only, am, I, am I the only one at the party? You say, what do you mean by that? He's the only one there to really have a good time and see a miracle of God. Everybody else is there freaking out. Now, let's pick it up there because this is sometimes where, where confrontation, I've got a few minutes, confrontation, I'm telling you, when you make a decision, I'm not living like this anymore, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not handling money like this anymore, I'm not, this is not going on in my life anymore. Listen, when you get serious about this and you pick up this word and you say, I am going to walk this out by faith, yes, there's going to be some opposition, but you have all of heaven standing behind you. And many times, listen, many times opposition begins immediately. The devil comes immediately to steal the seed. Immediately to take the motivation away. Immediately to remove the effects of the anointing of the presence. You got to know that. I said, or everything God tries to do for you, the devil will steal it. Amen? Now, notice what it says here. Let's go down to verse... Go down to verse 26. David spoke unto the men that stood by him, saying, What should be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, we ain't heard nobody talking like that. Now, listen, this is something that you're going to have to get in your spirit. Listen, one to another, our interaction with each other and our interaction with the world we, we walk in the Lamb of God character, characteristic. Love, compassion. But honey, when it comes to spiritual things, you better get yourself a crowbar backbone. You better rise up and make a decision. I am not going to live in defeat. God has done so much so that I can have victory. 
I'm not just going to let the enemy kick me around in my, in my mind, in my life, in my heart. I'm not going to do it. And listen, when you do it, listen, it may start some confrontations, but if you'll stand your ground according to the Word of God that is in your heart and in your mouth, there ain't a giant that you're facing that can overcome you because God's already given you the victory. Now, David says, listen, this is a reproach. Now, let me say something. You may not like this, but it is a reproach when you are sick. You say, why is it a reproach? Because it is not legal for you to be sick. It is not legal. It is illegal. The enemy messing with you say, well, I, I hadn't eaten right now. Oh, okay, okay, that's all well and good. You can get all that fixed up and straightened out. But in the meantime, you've got an adversary who is an oppressor who will oppress your flesh with sickness, disease, and pain, and all kinds of junk. And you've got to rise up against him. Amen. And he'll, be, he'll become a giant if you let him. He'll get as big and as tall and as mean as you let him. But I guarantee if you'll rise up in faith, begin to declare, declare your healing every day, twice a day, three, what does it take? Whatever it takes to get you in faith and get you to the point where you can turn to that thing and say, it is written, I'm not going to tolerate you another day. You say, how do I know when that day will come? You'll know. Now David says, this is a reproach. This is a reproach. Then he named, notice how he named his adversary, this uncircumcised, uncoveted, he has no covenant. I've got a covenant with God. He has no covenant with God. On our battlefield, it's the devil. He's defeated. He got thrown out of heaven before the earth was ever created. He's been a loser from day one, and he's not going to win with me. I'm not going to be his first win. You got to, you listen, you got you to get your mind set up. Susan, the people answered him. After this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Elab, his eldest brother, when he heard, he spake unto the, uh, unto the men, Elab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest, thou with those, uh, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the, naughtiness of thy, and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou hast come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, now notice David. David said, now what have I now done? What have I done? Now notice what he says. Is there not a cause? Now somebody was finally thinking clearly. You'd have said, why? Because if David wouldn't have showed up and I was there, I'd have done something. I'd have snuck up on him at night when he was sleeping or something. I'd have done something. You say, why? Because of the, of the challenge. If I win, then your family, your land, your daughters, your wives, your grandchildren, they're, all, they're ours to do with what we want to. You want that? See, he, he's looking at his brother. He, he could say to his brother, well, what about mom and dad? Amen? What about, what about papa and momo? What about all the grandkids? What about all the cousins? What about all our sheep in Bethlehem? What about our nation? We have a king now. Isn't there a cause? See, you've got to understand in your life, you've got to weigh the cause of whatever it is you need to rise up and oppose. You say, why is that? Number one, there's people watching you. Here's the first cause you need to acquaint yourself with. The cause of the price that was paid to get you the victory. 
You say, what do you mean by that? God Almighty himself came down and got into flesh and suffered and died on a cross, a death none of us will ever know, so horrible that no man on the earth has ever known it. The Bible says his visions were so marred, you can't even tell he was a human being. He took all the sin, all the iniquity, all the pain, everything wrong with man, and he died upon the cross, and he suffered three days and three nights in hell. That was in eternity. Amen. He stepped out of time into eternity out of eternity and back into time. Say, how long was he in hell? He was there in eternity. Amen? Say, well, I thought it was just three days and three nights. It was in time. Well, we'll study some eternal things later. You'll get that. Amen? You, you have to understand, there was a price paid for you to be saved. Why not live in the benefits of your salvation? What a price to be paid to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Where, where every time we speak in tongues, we're not literally saying, but the act of speaking in tongues is saying, Jesus is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. Whoa! Supernatural gifts of the Spirit in operation. All of the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the Word of God, the power of the prayer of agreement, the power of all these things that God has put into the Word of God. Isn't there a cause to walk and live in these things so that people can see that they're real? Amen. You know why people don't just flock in here by the thousands? They don't believe it's real. They don't believe it's real. And then when you try to uh, explain it to them, you really can't do it. Because the realness of what it is must be experienced. You must experience the love of God. You must experience His healing power. You must experience His love, His compassion, His mercy. I'm telling you, when you begin to experience it, you begin to become, the, you become, begin to become convinced of the reality of all of the goodness that He is. If He'll do one thing good, He'll do all things good. Amen? Then what about your own personal cause? Your own life? You and your children? Amen? I don't want anybody that I love or care about to go to hell forever. I want to live in front of them and let them see victory in my life. And see that I, I'm exactly what I live, uh, whether I'm on this side or this side of the pulpit, it m makes no difference. That I trust God for all things, that, 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 that He is mine and I am His. I mean, everything I have belongs to Him because everything He has belongs to me. Yeah. Amen. I have a responsibility to, to the church I pastor, the, uh, the wife I married, uh, the child we have. Listen, you must understand, there are greater causes many times in life than just what we see cocooned around us. You're part of something so much bigger than just what is happening here. Amen? Just your participation, your prayer, your giving as we touch the nations of the world, as we, as we are able to uh, produce something on the internet that people watch all around the world, as we're able to encourage and bless and cause people to walk in the same light and revelation. Listen, God knows every seed reproduces after its own kind. God knows the cause of what he sent Christ here for. And when he sees his children living in the light of that cause, that's the next cause. What about the cause of what we're called to do as a people? See, uh, the, the mistaken idea that, well, I can just come and go and do just anything I please anywhere when it comes to spiritual things in the church is wrong. I mean, it, it'll get you in a lot of trouble, and it'll get you confused. It'll get you off the path. 
Because the real places that God has for you to be, many times it's hard to stay there. You've got to fight to stay. Then when it comes time to leave, you fight not to leave. Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, God ought to be able to take in a, in a local church, raise people up, and then send them out to the nations of the world. Thank God we've seen that here, and we're seeing it even more with many of our young people, and then our missionaries we have on the field, missionaries that we produce. You say, what is that? That's the compassion of God. And then here in our area, the same thing. The cause of us living for God and seeing our lives as a mirror of the manifestation of the provision of God for this whole community to look into and see. And honey, I'm going to tell you something right now. There's a whole lot you don't know, but we are being heavily watched. Heavily. You say, what do you mean by that? People are watching. They're watching us. They're watching. They're seeing cars here. Probably more cars here more times during the week than at the other church. They wonder what's going on when someone like Daryl Strawberry comes to a church like that. What's going on in these conferences and all this stuff? What's going on? Why are those people up there on Thursday night? What are they doing up there on Thursday nights? You don't see no lights in the auditorium. Amen. There's a cause. Because if we don't do what God's called us to do, then there'll be people that will go to hell forever. And we don't want that. We don't want that. So here's David, and he's trying to present to his brothers his most reasonable argument. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Everybody say a cause. Now let me find it here. It says, uh, is there not a cause? And he turned. He turned him from towards another and spake unto the same manner. The people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words which were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them in the ears of Saul, and he sent for him. Now notice this. This is interesting. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Now notice this. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant. Now notice David only sees himself in the light of a servant. He's anointed to be king. He's worked in the king's palace. Amen? Samuel knows who he is. His dad and mom know who he is, and all his brothers, they know who he is. But he's not, he's, not, he's not trying to do anything to promote himself. He's trying to step in and do what needs to be done to save this nation. Amen? Now notice what he says. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant, see, there he is again. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing hath defiled the armies of the living God. Now let me tell you something, church. You need to. I know I'm teaching out of this chapter. You need to go read this chapter. You need to live in this chapter a little bit because it's not like he's kind of like, you know, if I do this, God may show up and do something. That's not what's going on here. No, that's not. He, listen, he walks into this thing with his shoulders already squared. He's already in faith. This is no gamble to him. He's not risking his life. 
A lot of times we read over this and we say, oh, man, that kid, he's got, I got, he, he's got some. No, he's got some. That's why this story is so good. And you can come at faith with, from so many angles here. I mean, he, he, he squares up and says, now, listen, I got a little experience in this. A lion and a bear came. And they took a lamb out of my father's flock. And I chased them both down. And I smote them. And I smote them. I chased them down. I did something about it. I did something about it. I did something about the lion. I did something about the bear. And I'm fixing to do something about this giant. Now I'm telling you, if you'll just do a little inventory of your life, you've had some lions and bears. And it's prepared you for the giant you may be facing right now. And if you'll just make that decision, listen, devil, you're not going to overcome me. You're not going to, listen, I'm not standing in my, in my own victory. And listen, I like this. And my failures don't count against me. Mm-mm. Well, you failed. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it again. Well, you failed. Well, I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to not try it again. No, I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to do it again and do it again and do it after that and do it again. And it will work. It will work. Because any adjustment that I need to make while I'm doing it, God will make in me and I will get this right. You've got to make that decision. A lot of people, they get knocked down a couple of times and then they don't want to get up anymore. Well, you never did that in anything else in life. You never did that in anything else in life. You kept trying. You kept doing. You finally got it right. You got to stay with it and spiritual things the same way. None of them had any experience. Their leader was in sin, so they were all in trouble. Let me read it again. Ooh, my time's up. David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went after him. Notice, I did something. And I smote him. I did something. Delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, smote him and slew him. Now notice, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. Now here's the kicker. David said, you're going to have to get your sayer working. You're going to have to get your sayer working. David said, this is what wraps it up. This is what delivers his faith right here. This is what delivered it. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. Now we'll pick this up next week, but you got to understand, church. The king of a nation gave the sovereignty and the authority of that nation to about a 17-year-old shepherd boy. And the reason that he did is because he recognized that anointing that speaking faith brings. If you don't believe there's an anointing with speaking faith, then you get into a situation where faith is needed right now and you speak it and see if it doesn't take over the atmosphere. Amen? And when he walked in there, all he, listen, he wasn't strutting. He wasn't walking around like some young banny rooster trying to prove he was better than anybody else. He walked in in the confidence of the covenant that he had in God. 
Now, one little taste, so you'll come back next week. <laughs> In his confrontation with Goliath, we'll see this next week, Goliath cursed him. He said that Goliath cursed David by his gods, little g. Yes. Now, see, your adversary is the same way as Goliath. He'll, he'll strut and he'll show how much and how big and all this kind of stuff. Amen? Then he'll, he'll look like he's forcing confrontation to you, toward you, and that's where you have to make a decision to move forward and not back. That's where you move into offense. That's where you engage. That's where you become confrontational. That's where you step out of your comfort zone. Amen? Amen? Now, when you do that, the enemy begins activity. And his activity always violates the laws of God. And when he said to David, I curse you by these gods he was using, he stepped over a line, a covenant line, and literally, that's where Goliath died, was right there. He said, I thought he died when the rock hit him. He was dead when he started cursing David by his gods because David lived by the Abrahamic covenant which said, I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And when that big old devil started cursing him, David went, huh. <laughs> See, now you've got to realize the same thing's true of you because you've got a greater covenant than David has. When you get that doctor's report or you got that problem in your finances or whatever it may be and it starts trying to mock you or do it, but all of a sudden you rise up in faith and you begin to speak the word of God, you begin to find out what's in control right then and there. Because those words will reset the atmosphere and bring the victory of God into a situation. And let me just say this, church. We're living in a time in which you don't have to go through. People say, well, I guess we just need to go through years of counseling. We need a lot of help. No, all you need is a touch of the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit of God can do something just like that in your life. And heal things, I'm telling you, heal things in hearts, in kids, in marriages, in businesses, in people's jobs, in people's neighborhoods, in areas. God can do it instantaneously if people... People will believe. Be bold and walk in the faith, faith, uh, faith of God. Not backing up, just trying to recover what we inflict ourselves with, but moving forward into the, possess, uh, the promises and blessings of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now lift your hands up and thank Him. Father, we thank You tonight. Thank You for Your promises, Your blessings. We release Your Word tonight. Thanking You, Father that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Father, that forever, O oh Lord, forever, O oh Lord, your word, your word, your word is settled in heaven. Salvation is settled. Healing is settled. Restoration is settled. Blessing is settled. The miracles of God are settled. We thank you, Father. Devil, you're a liar. We declare you are defeated. You are under our feet. We remind you of your defeat 2,000 years ago where Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, defeated you. May it a show of you openly. Triumphed over, triumphed over you in it. In all things. In all things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now just put your hands up one more time. Now, Father, let the spirit of faith stir among the people. Let a boldness to step out on the Word of God and be confrontational. Lord, let that spirit of David 
a man that worshiped and prayed, a man that praised, wrote psalms, served his God to the best of his ability, who understood what the mercy seat was all about. Thank you, Father, for a boldness. Grant unto thy servants with all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching forth your hand to heal, let signs and wonders be done. In the name of your holy child, Jesus, we cry out, Lord. Oh, we cry out, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, stand on your feet, if you will. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many believe the Holy Ghost can show us things to come? Help us in our walk with God. In prayer recently, I've been in some private prayer meetings with friends and then some public prayer meetings here at the church. I've been very aware of a, of kind of a, seems like kind of a downtime right now where there's not a whole lot going on. Doesn't seem like there's much going on in the medical or this or that. We're still praying against that horrible war and all that. But the Lord really stirred me to tell the people that it's a preparation time. You really need to be preparing right now. You say preparing for what? Preparing your heart. Because two different things. We have to understand two different dynamics of the day in which we're living. There's this side in which the glory of God can break out in our midst and just do awesome things. And we have to be ready for that. And then on the other side, there's things going on in the world that can break out and that can happen. And it can be just crazy and cause all kinds of turmoil and drama and trauma. And we need to be ready for that. And we are. We're prepared. We're preparing ourselves and getting ready. But yourself, listen, and I've said this. I was talking to somebody the other day and talking to them about a lot of our teaching and preaching now. It goes to the level of warning. You need to do this. Warning, warning. Remember the, I guess that's kind of dates me, that robot that used to do that. Warning, warning. <laughs> That's when I was a little boy, amen. But yeah, there's some warning flares going up, some things that are happening. We're, we're praying, we're about doing some conferences in, the, in Europe and different places. But you know, all of our evangelistic effort and all of our missionaries need to be protected and blessed. But we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. I think we need to be ready to help people here that come to the island, that end up here on the island. I, I ministered to a guy the other day who had been sleeping under the overpass where I turned to go to my house. Man, it was just bugging me. So I was going to go get him a, I kept driving by this hotel that uh, I think you can get a month for like $1,000. And so I thought, man, at least get him off of the street, you know. And so I went and I started talking to him and I did. I gave him some money. I blessed him. I said, no, nah, I want to come back and I, I want to I wanna, uh, take you down to this hotel and get you a room. At least, what, wouldn't you do better by, by uh, being in a room? And he said, no, no. He said, no, that's okay. He said, I got a place I go take a shower a couple of times a week. But he said, he turned me down. I was like, oh my goodness. See, that, that, that's what happens to people sometimes when they're hopeless. Amen. So I just kept going by there and blessing him. Praise God. And then we drove by the other day. He was gone. So I trust, praise God, because I was praying. So I don't think nothing bad happened to him because I was praying for him. Amen. So, praise God, that kind of stuff is going to get multiplied. We've seen it in other areas of, of the United States, and it's, it's, it's daunting what's happening. But listen, 
in the midst of all of that, everything that we're prepared for to do is going to be a, a way that we can open our hand up to people to, to show them how good Jesus is and how much he loves them. So it's an awesome time. It's an awesome time to be serving God. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, we thank you for our protection, for our safety. We don't take it for granted. We apply the word of God against the pressure of the adversary. Devil, you're defeated. Jesus is our Lord. We declare Psalms 91 over all that's near and dear to our hearts. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Father, in our travels. So we travel on the highway, the airway, the seaway, the railway, any other way of travel or transportation. We declare your protection and your safety. Lord, we, we, we declare in the, in the workplace as we handle the righteous labor, the resource you give us, we, we speak over our investments. We thank you for wisdom. Spirit of God, prepare us for that which is going on in the economic realm. Prepare us for that which is going on in the medical realm. We will not be subject to pandemics, epidemics. We will not be subject to recession, depression. We declare we will increase in the midst of decrease and step forward when others are stepping back. Ignite that fire in our hearts, Lord, to be your hand extended, your voice spoken, your feet that run swiftly to the aid of men and women. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion coming to us working in us and flowing through us. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.